and then Krampus would come because they lost the spirit of Christmas. I'm begging you. Don't go out there. Please, for God's sakes. Don't go out there. Don't go out there. Don't go out there. Oh, don't go out there. Don't go out there. Why me? Don't go out there. Why me, Christmas? Why me, Christmas? St. Nicholas is not coming this year. Instead, a much darker ancient spirit. Those are hooves. Elk or a goat? What kind of goat walks on its hind legs? His name is Krampus. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. Merry, Merry Christmas to all of our listeners. We really appreciate y'all. Uh, tonight we're doing a bonus, uh, you know, a Christmas-themed episode. Before we jump into it, I just want to give a quick shout-out to uh, our website, don'tgooutthere.com. We got everything about this podcast on there. Brian did a fantastic job with the website. We got all of our episodes, our interviews, our blog, our store. We got some new merch up. Check that out. And we got all of our social media links on there. Uh, you know, our world's kind of driven by social media, so we try and make content for all of it. We have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Uh Go check us out on there. You know, we're going to, we always read off our fans' questions or comments for every review. So definitely, if you want to, if you want to interact with us, just, you know, follow us on social media. And we also have uh, our Patreon that we call Blood Donors. We have the traditional monthly reoccurring kind. You know, we do a lot of giveaways in there. I highly encourage, you know, if you're thinking about it, just, you know, give it a shot, maybe. Uh, and we have the one time donation. Maybe you want us to review a movie of yours or, Maybe you want to come on our show and pick a movie. You know, you want to hang out with us, uh, review a movie with us. You can do that as well. But, you know, we just get so many fans who ask us how can they help us make this podcast. And so we've given you the opportunity if you want to do that. We really appreciate y'all. Uh, tonight we're doing a Christmas theme uh, film review, 2015's Krampus. Uh, I'll just give my general thoughts real quick, then I'll let you go next, Mike. I'll, I think we're kind of all in agreement here. I didn't really love this movie at all. Uh I listened to a friend of the show, the Gore Girls podcast about Krampus. I kind of agree with a lot of them. Didn't really care for this movie, but I love the cast of the movie. I think that's really the only thing I can say I like about it. Every time I see uh, Adams, was Adam Scott or whatever, he's I see Derek from Step Brothers, Tony Collette. You got Hereditary, even though I don't know if I love that movie or not, but she's just a great actress. And from Knives Out, she was great in that. But I don't know. The movie's just... We, you know, we got a fan comment saying, I wish it was more of a, a rated R movie. It just felt too kiddish with a lot of the stuff, too cartoonish, too kiddy, yeah. I guess you could say. Wish they would have upped the violence, maybe. I don't know, just, and it kind of, like Mike mentioned earlier in our group text, it just kind of drags. It gets, this movie just drags to me and a lot of it. it. Just feels way too long at some points, but uh, that's just my general thoughts, Mike. What do you think? 
Yeah, so first of all, Merry Christmas to everyone or whatever, or Happy Holidays, you know, whatever you're celebrating this time of year. Also, I want to apologize openly right here for uh, forcing everyone to watch this film. <laughs> um, okay, now that it may not be as bad as I just said, but this movie that bad. commits, but it commits it's a bigger sin than even being a bad film. This movie is a boring film to me. And that is even more frustrating than being a bad movie, which those are two totally different things. Uh, but all right, so let's start with some positives, though. Like Nico mentioned, I think the cast is good. I think Adam Scott is good. Bow, bow, I'm Derek. Okay, yeah, love that. Um, Tony Collette, who I think is awesome and hereditary, she's good here. What she's given to do, she does well, and I, I, I think it's good. Um, my girl Aunt Dorothy from Two and a Half Men. Oh well, she's not Aunt Dorothy there. She's Aunt Dorothy here, but Two and a Half Men. She's awesome. She's hilarious in that show. So there's a lot of good cast here. I think it's it's a cool looking film. Um, you get a lot of dark, shadowy shots. You know, horror in the snow is something that we've kind of talked about on this show before. It can create a different element, and I kind of like it. Depending, which is why we want to see a Friday the Thirteenth in the snow. You know, I think we kind of get that with never hike in the snow. But anyway, um, I I just think that has a lot. It has that core positive. But outside of that, this movie tries to be funny. Uh, well, I don't think it's that funny. This movie tries to be scary, and I don't. I think it's too cheesy to be scary. Um, and that's unfortunate because the story of Krampus is interesting. Uh, German folklore and all that stuff. I think it's a hell. Family Guy did a better uh, job telling the Krampus story. <laughs> than this movie did. Uh, and I just think it's so damn boring. So I had to take pre-workout to make it through that, to make it through this most recent rewatch, but only because I worked out right after. But it sure did help me stay awake because I was struggling. And now I'm drinking Jim Beam, Apple, and ginger ale to make it through a review about this movie. So if you that lets you know what my rating could possibly be. Uh, I'll just say this. I could see why someone likes this film, but it's not for me. But it's not for me. <laughs> Jesus, Mike's going to rate this thing like a seven and a half. Now, this half film half. is still significantly better than John Lennon's ass crack. All right, somebody else go. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right, hey, I'll go ahead and go. So I'd actually seen this before I'd, I'd seen Trick or Treat and honestly didn't care for it the first time I saw it you know, kind of putting two and two together and realizing Trick or Treat's Michael Doherty did this one as well. I was looking forward to a rewatch since, you know, I've come to love Trick or Treat so much. You know, I, I know he was trying to capture that lightning in a bottle again with the themed holiday movie. And maybe he did for about half this movie, but that's about that's about all I like with this, about half. Um, now, as far as the holiday-themed movies go, and I know this has gained a little bit of a cult following as of late, especially as well, and, and we've, we've definitely seen worse. I mean, hell, you know, we did worse this past Thanksgiving. But, uh, but overall, I, I think you've got about half of a movie um, that's not helped by the fact that it's PG-13 and, and shouldn't be. Um, it, it's almost like it, it doesn't know if it's a satire or a real horror or comedy. And I think studio interference had a lot to do with that. And, and if it was rated R and been able to really like focus on its kills, you would have, you know, at least been able to at least hang your hat on that and overlook some of this other dumb shit. But, you know, and, and we can get into it at the end, but I'm honestly not sure 
anyone even fucking dies in this movie. So, I mean, listen, I know there are fans of this one. I'm just not one of them. Yeah. So I've never seen this movie either. Um, I was actually looking forward to it when I saw this, when the, when I saw the, the cast, I texted you guys and I was like, we are talking about 2015 with Adam Scott and David Koechner, right? Like I love both of those guys. And you're like, yeah, so I was looking forward to it. And then the damn bell rang, as Bruce Pritchard would say. The movie started, and That's I right. was uh, severely disappointed. Um, you know, it's just, I, I could tell right away that, um, well, when I was watching, I got a vibe. I was like, man, this reminds me of Trick or Treat. And if you guys go back and listen to our review of that movie in our archives, I was not a fan of Trick or Treat either. I think I gave it a five, and that was honestly being generous. It's just not... Uh, something that I would really click play on. It's something that uh, to eat trick or treat's an easy watch. Um, you know, to watch around the Halloween holiday. But this one, you know, the uh, studio didn't want to greenlight a Christmas horror movie, and so they really had to tone it down to get it. You know, they wouldn't greenlight it until it was a PG thirteen movie. Um, and I think that 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 just it shows. I think they left uh, a lot of meat on the bone. The Office told a better Krampus story when Dwight Schrute dressed as Krampus. Yes, they did. Um, Family Guy and The but, Office both did a better job. Exactly. So my my overall feelings on this movie is, you know, just from my vantage point, it does have appeal to a select audience. I'm, however, not in that crowd. <laughs> also, I want to correct myself on the fly. It was American Dad, <laughs> not Family Guy, that did the Krampus episode. But anyway, uh so, yeah, same thing. And also, uh, I'm just not a, I'm just not a fan of Christmas theme horror. Like, I don't think the two genres mesh well. But I, I said that except, a couple weeks ago when we did Grim ones. I just think those come on, Silent Mike, Night, Deadly Night, which four. you can listen to, Silent Night, Deadly Night, which you can listen to in our archives at DongoOutThere.com. I, I stole his thunder. Damn it, Brian! Missed his cue. Damn it, Brian! Missed your cue, buddy. Hey, he'll okay. he'll be back on it. I got Sorry, one man. more fi- one more opening thought before we jump into scene by scene. This movie might have the most man fuck them kids awards of any movie we've ever done because you talk about some <laughs> terrible parenting throughout this whole yes. movie. Yes, yeah. yes, I wrote what, that same shit. Like, what is wrong with these people? <laughs> but anywho, uh, any yeah. more opening thoughts before we jump into the scene by scene, guys? I'm good. Let's do it. No, let's do it. Let's get it, dude. All right, the film starts with customers storming a store to get holiday deals as opening credits roll, and it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas playing. These customers are being ruthless to each other. Now we see kids fighting during a nativity scene. Total chaos as the customers watch the fight. We're now in Sarah and Tom's house, and Omi, the grandma, is making some gingerbread cookies. The family comes in. Tom tells Max he ruined the recital. Sarah now gives him an ice pack for his black eye. Max didn't want the little kid's secret ruined about Santa. Tom gets some work calls now, and Max asks about watching Charlie Brown. The rest walk out, leaving Max and Omi together. Beth is not thrilled about their cousins coming home. Sarah even doesn't think they should be allowed to breed. Omi and Max are wrapping presents, and he asks her if she still believes in Santa. She says yes, and to believe in him is is to believe in the spirit of Christmas. She also believes in dessert before dinner and gives Max some cookies. Beth is on a FaceTime call with her boyfriend a few blocks over. He's trying to get high and wants her to come over. Now the house begins to shake uh, to shake real bad as the rest of the family arrives. They ring the doorbell over and over, and Sarah lets them in. They brought their dog, too. 
Max asks Howie what he asked Santa for Christmas. The girls see his Santa letter in his back pocket and, and laugh at it. To Sarah's surprise, Aunt Dorothy is there too, who instantly is bitching and asks where's the eggnog. They forgot the baby in the car, so Howard and Tom go get the, the kid and the rest of their stuff. Sarah tells Linda that Aunt Dorothy is a nightmare, not a surprise. Aunt Dorothy walks in asking about dinner. We're at the dinner table now, and Howie Jr. lets out a loud burp, and Howard says he's going to be a lineman. Howard makes fun of Tom now for being an Eagle Scout. Howard says a shepherd has to protect his flock when he brings up guns. Now Linda and Dorothy criticize Sarah's dinner choices. Stevie tells Max Santa crashed his sleigh and had to eat his reindeer. Max throws food at them visibly angry. Sarah snaps on Dorothy now about all the grief she's giving her. The girls now pick on Max for believing in Santa, and they reveal they took his letter to Santa as they read it out loud now. Really, I wrote, really weird that no one is stopping this as the girls keep reading the letter. Sarah walks in and Max snaps and starts fighting, Jordan and Stevie. They break it up and Max yells he wanted Christmas to be like it used to, and he hates them and he hates Christmas now. Tom goes in Max's room and tells them they'll be gone in three days. Max asks why do we still tolerate them, and Tom really can't give an explanation. They keep talking, and Tom tells Max there's still time to put the letter in the mailbox. Max folds the letter and then rips it up and throws it outside his window, and the wind carries it away. We now see dark, ominous clouds surround the house and wind gusts, and all the power in town goes out. All right, go ahead, Brian. Yeah, so now I know I said I only really cared about half of this movie, and the first half is that half of it that I actually do like. You know, I love getting the ironic Ben Crosby playing over, you know, what Black Friday pre-COVID used to look like. You know, and, and that's what I do like about this movie is that it embraces that whole cynicism and just that overall gloominess or, or actually the dark side of the holiday. You know, it definitely it definitely makes it stand out from other Christmas movies. Um, although, you know, you can tell this has a ton of influences from, you know, Gremlins and others that honestly just 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 doesn't do as well as they do. You know, and that's a shame because I know I know Mike will get into it later, but this actually has a pretty good, decent, you know, budget and an amount of money behind it where where those didn't. You know, and hell, we just did a movie earlier this week that had a budget of one million dollars in 2016 and pulled off a good ass flick. Uh, but I will give you know, I will give it credit for taking a look at that side of the holiday that we never see on film or TV anyway, like the mall, the the real genuine, honest talk, the family dysfunction, not the normal bullshit that we usually get in movies. It felt real. And I liked that. Um, you know, apparently some of the earlier shots of the other houses in the neighborhood have some Easter eggs with the Amityville horror house being next door. Ferris Bueller's house is in there as well. And the Myers house from Halloween. So I thought that was pretty cool. And, um, uh, you guys have really already talked about this cast already. I'm, I'll jump on and completely agree with you, especially Adam Scott. I, I, I love that guy, and I'll say it here now. Step Brothers, you know, he steals that movie to me and Parks and Rec. Um, the legend, Tony Collette, I mean, she's been nominated for fucking Academy Awards. And then you got, you know, like you brought up David Korshner, like he, he doesn't need any fucking introduction. He's such a legend. And actually, this role feels like him channeling his, his office character, Todd Packer, uh, a lot in this. And, uh, yeah. you, know, you know, fun fact, Stevie and Beth are actually real life sisters, Lolo and St- Stefania Owen. So I thought that was pretty interesting, too. And lastly, you know, so, yeah, these parents, I completely agree with Nico, pieces of shit. Just just FYI, all of them. Terrible parents. The way they handled Max. I mean, Jesus Christ. Like, Omi is the only one who seems like, you know, isn't a piece of shit. Um, You know, fun fact about her, 
she was actually deaf in the first draft of the script as opposed to German, but they switched it up as, you know, in part for the, for the real world cultural connection to Krampus. Um, and this opening is like a darker, more fucked up home alone. And I liked it with the character development. The, the dinner scene was really good. All the kids were, you know, great actors there. They were good as well. I mean, nothing felt forced. Um, I love the line, ah, lay off him. The kid deserves a prize just for telling the truth. Um, you know, so anyway, I, I like the set of scenes. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, strong start, actually. Uh, the, you know, the scene at the mall or the department store or whatever with the old school, you know, Bing Crosby playing on the back. I, I think that's great. First of all, like that song. Second of all, I think it works so well with just the madness and chaos that's going on while people are, are doing their Black Friday shopping and all that. So I think that works really, really well. Here's the thing with Max. Obviously, he's got some issues at home because he gets in two fights in like the first 15 minutes of this movie. So some of it was provoked, so I have no problem with it. Uh, you mentioned the cast, and we already talked about it. Uh, Adam Scott, my man, and Dustin will attest to this. If he remembers correctly, was a guest star for three episodes uh, as Harley's replacement on Boy Meets World. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was the new cool kid until Harley came back from wherever finishing school he went to, and they fought and had the same friends and Frankie. Anyway, anyway, not the point. So uh, back to Krampus. So I like this story that we have. You mentioned it being uh, – a darker home alone. I have like a little bit of a modern home alone mixed with Christmas vacation kind of vibe in there as far as how the family dynamic is and the chaos and, the, and the mess that ensues uninvited guests, which is what cousin Eddie with, you know, kind of the same vibe going there. And I think uh, it's interesting. I like that story. I think, you know, it feels like a familiar Christmas movie. So I think they've kind of got me at that point. Um, you have a kid that's a little too old, to believe in Santa. I hope there's no kids listening. Sorry. Uh, um, so I think that's kind First of, of all, if people are letting their kids listen to this, well, the, that's the, that's the real man. Fuck them kids awards. Hey man, I was watching American pie at seven years old. So anyway, uh, <laughs> just saying, uh, but don't tell, don't tell my mom that anyway. So I think it's a familiar story as far as having a Christmas atmosphere, and they do a good job of making it feel like Christmas. It's funny, it went, when the Aunt Dorothy walks in and says it feels like, it looks like Martha Stewart threw up in here. But that is a very Christmassy feeling. So they do a good job of capturing that uh, here in this set of scenes, and they do a good job of capturing dysfunctional family, which is a lot of what, uh, it's what a lot of other Christmas movies are. So, so far, there's some good humor some good lighthearted stuff, but then there's some man fucked them kids, and by that I mean these two sisters. Fuck these two sisters, man. They assholes, assholes, bullies. I would elbow both of them to the face, son. Break their noses. I don't care. I know I believe in Santa, and that's unfortunate for me. But that don't mean you got to take my note and read it out loud, you fuck. Anyway, just saying. Will be first of all. Also, if I were their father. Or mother, I'd be worried about their kids pickpocketing so easily. That's a little fucked up. So I'm going to agree with everyone here and say, these parents suck ass. I will say one last thing. Um, I do like that these characters are, and I kind of, you know, getting ready for the show, I watched the kill count on Dead Me for this. He mentioned it as well, where at least these characters feel real. You know, they're uh, 
family that still cares about each other, but obviously they don't spend a ton of time together anymore. Uh, you know, things are kind of not falling apart, but things are strained or whatever. And I like that they kind of have that real family aspect to it. So, so far, so good. After this is when the movie begins to take a dip. And shout out to the grandma for being a freaking G the entire film. She never, she never lost her faith. She kept it. And by the way, it looked like she made some badass hot cocoa. I know that isn't in this set of scenes, but just thought I'd throw that out there. I would like to try it. That's all. Hot take, yeah, I don't so like uh, this is the best set of scenes in the entire movie to me. Oh, that's a little rude. Um, you're supposed to respect your elders, but um, that's a little fucked up. I this is the best set of scenes in the entire movie to me because we're introduced to the uh, the great cast and we get to see them really shine uh, for what they're best for. You know, Adam Scott is great at playing that um, unintentionally quirky guy. Uh, David Koechner is great at being, the, you know, uh, the focal point of any comedic situation. Um, and uh, yeah, so this is the best set of scenes. There's a couple of lines in here that I really liked uh, when the kids walk in and she's like, oh, they're probably just still upset because the Steelers lost. Fuck that. That's cause for rejoice. Fuck the Steelers. Um, I did have a holy shit moment. When they're at the dinner table and she's like, what kind of person doesn't make a ham on Christmas? What are you, a Jew now? I was like, what the fuck, fam? Don't, what, what is wrong with this lady? Uh, that's when I knew that Aunt Dorothy uh, was a bitch and should have been left behind at her trailer. Um, then, you know, I texted this to y'all as I, as I heard this line in the movie. You know, kid's upstairs. He's upset because his cousins are bullying him and... No one believes in Santa, blah, blah, blah. I just want Christmas to be like it used to be. But then he says the line, what, we have to be nice We have to be nice to them just because we share DNA or whatever he said. But my thing is, if a kid is old enough to understand DNA and know what DNA is, then he shouldn't believe in Santa Claus anyway. And Adam Scott should know that because as um, Dale's, uh, Dale and Brennan's father said, it's time to put childish things aside. So, you know, he should teach his son, it's time to stop believing in Santa Claus, son. You're, you're making me look bad as a parent here. Um, now, and then the last thing I've said on this set of scenes, yeah, that's right. I don't really have a lot. This this set of scenes does a good job of building the fam- family dynamic, but that's about it. Um, last thing on this set of scenes, Brian, you mentioned how you like how the opening shows you the other side of Christmas, like the chaos at the mall and everything, and movies don't really do that. Uh, the best movie, uh, the best Christmas movie of all time does that, and I'm talking about Jingle All the Way. Back to you, Nico. Hey, it would have been hilarious if Adam Scott looked at his son and said, you look like you want to punch me right now. Why don't you do it? Why don't you punch me in the fucking face? You can't say fucking more than once in here, and they already said it, so it would have been rated R. Sorry. Damn it. Damn it. Actually, I did they read the out about it too. like Craven did. I did read that there is two instances of fuck in this movie, but the other one is inaudible. You can only tell it's there if you have the subtitles turned on. It's I, the I, I saw that earlier. I saw that earlier. Yeah, it was like when they were first walking in or something, and they said, There's, "Yeah." The sister kind of uh, mumbles it when she swings the axe later on in the movie, doesn't she? Like I'm going to no, get you well, the, at least the, at least the subtitles had it early on, oh, and okay. I thought I, I read it and I went, oh, "Okay, there's the one," and then they said it later, and I was like, "Oh." Shit, well, they must have got away with the first one or else the subtitles are wrong. All right, it's December 23rd, and Max sees a random snowman outside now. 
Sarah is freaking out trying to survive Christmas with 12 people and no basic necessities. All the neighbors are out of town. Knock at the door and DHL is making a delivery in treacherous weather. Howard and Linda bring the, bring in the package in this random red sack. Beth is concerned her boyfriend isn't answering. She asks to walk over and she'll see if anyone has power. They say be back in an hour. Beth leaves the house to walk over to her boyfriend's. Omi makes the family hot chocolate. We're with Beth now as she walks in the snowstorm. She looks around and she hears something with bells land on this house. She now sees it jump, jump across to another house. She screams and runs as the Krampus keeps leaping house to house. She finds a DHL truck and sees the driver is frozen dead. She hides under the van now. Krampus lands beside the van walking around it. He disappears as he leaps away. Then Beth hears a jack-in-the-box. She sees it now and it pops open. The creepy doll head appears and the van above her, sh- above her shakes as she screams. Max looks outside as the weather keeps getting worse. Sarah and Tom talk now and he jokes asking if she got her a backup generator for Christmas. Sarah is concerned Beth still isn't back. Tom asks how everyone is and they share a sweet moment. She lays her head on her shoulder. I miss us. Max approaches and says it's dark out and Beth still isn't back. The family gathers around the fire and Tom asks Howard if their Hummer can make it through the snow. Howard says, a little recon mission, thought you'd never ask. Omi speaks German to Tom, and Max tells everyone she's saying not to go, but they have to try and find Beth. Howard and Tom drive around now, and they can't get any radio reception. They see a light, and they stop. They approach the truck and find it empty and full of presents. The key is still in the ignition, and the windshield is like punched in. Tom and Howard get guns now and check out this house. Back to Sarah and Linda, and they reminisce over some childhood memories. They hear footsteps upstairs now. Probably squirrels, Sarah says. Then we hear a loud bang. Sarah says it's squirrels again, and Omi looks up the chimney. Howard and Tom go in this house and call for Beth. They find a gingerbread man stabbed to the fridge. Tom finds a picture of Beth and Derek from a dance. Howard says it looks like a gaslight blue as they see the chimney destroyed, and they find huge hoof prints. We hear screaming now, and the two men run outside. Tom yells for Beth as Howard is grabbed from beneath the snow and drug away and pulled beneath the surface. Tom grabs his hand and pulls him above the snow, then shoots as it scurries away. The two men make it to the Hummer, but it's on fire now. All right, go ahead, Brian. Yeah, so this is by far my favorite set of scenes in this entire movie. Um, You know, Mike touched on the atmosphere, and he's right on. I think, especially right here, it really sets the atmosphere with this fucking storm that feels honestly cold as shit. I mean, I think it's perfect. Uh, And to make things even better, you know, it was actually done a lot digitally, but the snow on the ground was done with material that's used for diapers. So coming from somebody who has who's has kids and dogs and kids and dogs at the same time, trust me, that shit sucks if it's everywhere. And uh, But it's more impressive that 95% of this movie is actually on a soundstage, and the only part that isn't was that Black Friday part at the beginning. Uh, you know, their, their visible, also another fun fact here is their visible breath was actually done digitally, but a major component of capturing that involved filming real people in freezers reading the dialogue for the scenes. They isolated that breath and then added it to the shots. And so being a technical guy, I thought that really interested me anyway to learn. Um, hopefully did you too. If not, piss off. But by the way, it, it, it really, I, and I wrote this exact thing. So it's really funny. Mike said this earlier, but I wrote, by the way, did it really bother anybody else that, you know, that the power was out and dipshit cousin Eddie. I mean, Howard left the door wide open. God damn it. Uh- <laughs> Um, I, like I said, I guess that's the Floridian hurricane guy in me that twitched when I saw that one. But 
Um, also, I wonder how much DHL actually paid to have their delivery guy be the one to weather the blizzard and deliver the package. But uh, ding, ding, shitty parent alert again. Um, sure, you can walk blocks in the fucking awful blizzard. But, I mean, but hey, I'm actually glad they did because my favorite part of the entire movie is right here. Um, it getting instantly dark on Beth. Krampus looks absolutely fantastic here, jumping houses like a goddamn lion hunting for its food or something. And, you know, now I'm not real sure why the DHL guy's frozen solid after leaving the house like two minutes ago and being in a vehicle. But, hey, great visual anyway. And like uh, YouTuber Ryan Hollinger said, and Mike shouted him out last week, uh, so I had to check out his review of this a little bit. But he said, and I agree wholeheartedly with him, that it takes some balls to kill off the daughter this early. And I wish we would have gotten to see something, but you know, it, it was done fantastically. I think given, you know, what they had to work with the sound, I think they do a good job, you know, making up for the lack of showing the kills. They really, I think take those up a notch to at least help you create with your mind, you know, what they weren't allowed to really show you on screen. And lastly, again, you know, this set of scenes, I think does a fantastic job with everything. I think it sets the tension as well as giving you a little bit more, you know, character interaction where you start to kind of see that they're not, entirely all assholes you know and they're even you know more like a real family the scene with howard is like a scene from tremors i love it and uh now to steal a line from dustin last episode after this the best of the movie is now behind us in my opinion but uh yeah. if we ended it here we have a 9.5 movie at least bad part about that is you know it's only 30 minutes in and we have an hour left so go ahead mike oh i agree with you this is probably the best set of scenes. It gives me a little bit of everything that I like. It gives me some stuff carried on from the first set of scenes, which is the family dysfunction, that dynamic. Uh, you have to see, um, you have to see Tom kind of step up and, you know, own a role and you, you use his Eagle scout skills to pr protect the family a little bit here. So you get some interesting, you know, uh, husband and brother-in-law or, you know, brother-in-law, dynamic that you got going on there i think that stuff's kind of interesting they're all stuck in this house together uh because of the storm um i think that it's kind of funny that <laughs> that you know max tries to say hey i see this snowman outside and everyone's like oh yeah that's great but like no one had half a brain to be like well who the fuck built this snowman in this blizzard except for max like that's so stupid like I, that that would have creeped me out from the jump. Like, wait a minute. Did you build it? Did you build it? Did anybody in this house build that snowman? Okay. Something's going on here. That's little, I said, that's a dead giveaway to get the fuck out of there as soon as possible, but whatever. Anyway. So I like where this set of scenes goes. If we're finally getting a little bit of the suspense, the horror, the, the blizzard adds to it. We kind of talked about it way back. I believe that's episode four. Uh, Brian, 30 days a night, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so 174 episodes or 171 episodes ago, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we talked about how the snow adds something. I mentioned it in my opening. The blizzard adds a lot to this set of scenes. It's dark. It's creepy. But it still keeps that Christmas vibe, which normally are oil and water for me. In this set of scenes, I think it works really well. The daughter kind of capturing it as me call it the capture count because uh, they don't actually kill anybody because it's PG-13. Uh, but the capturing of her is done pretty damn awesome. The, 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 
the way it's shot is great. They use suspense with the jack in the box. Krampus looks really good. All that looks good. Uh, and I think it's executed so damn well. So kudos to, to this part of the movie. Um, I wouldn't <laughs> tell you what, it's, it's something that everyone can relate to uh, is having a family member that they're kind of in with and having to go on some kind of adventure with them to problem solve. And you kind of get that dynamic here and all that. But uh, anyway, I think this is the strongest set of scenes. It gives me a little bit of the normal Christmas family comedy that we are used to, and then throws in the Krampus part, which I think this is the best Krampus part that we get. So job well done. And as all of you have already said, this is where the movie takes a dip, a dip, a pretty big one. Back to you. Yeah, this set of scenes, um, like you said, Brian, the after it, you know, the best part of the movie is behind it. This set of scenes was so promising. Um, I too made note of DHL, like how much, like that's some fucking ad placement right there. Not only do you get yeah, the, I, uh, d- yeah. the the delivery driver delivering, you know, walking up to the door, knocking on the door in the midst of a hell of a blizzard which is great. Like, you know, in any kind of weather you want your mail to get there. And so that's great, uh, advertisement for them to show them they don't give a shit what the weather's doing. They're going to deliver your packages, but then also you get to see the van. And so I was like, okay, how much money did they uh, pay for this year? Um, you mentioned the breath. So I'll mention the other aspect of it. The snow, the snow on the ground was, uh, made from the material that's used to make diapers. Like the the material that's usually used to make diapers, that's what the snow on the ground was made out of. The snow in the air was made out of multiple uh, different materials, but I thought that was interesting. And after I read that, because um, I, I read all my fun facts before I watched the movie, actually, but I looked for that, and you can actually definitely tell. But anyway, I too made note this is some shitty parents uh, again. And it's funny you called him uh, Cousin Eddie because I got that vibe, too. It's almost like when they walked in the door and the kids just keep coming and it's fucking chaos when he shows up. Is that They definitely drew inspiration from Christmas Vacation. They even bring with, a dog. And yeah. It's, it's, it's all there. Bring a dog. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But, um, you know, surprisingly, they're not the shitty parents in this set of scenes. It's the parents that should be reliable, letting their do- daughter walk fucking four blocks in the snow unaccompanied um i get it it's you know daylight it's not snowing anymore but shit still i would i'd be like no let's stay here whatever um but the the best thing that this movie has to offer is the way krampus looks in this set of scenes just uh you don't want to talk about making him look like a certified badass the the atmosphere the the lighting in this set of scenes when krampus appears Sets the sets the mood, sets the tone, and then you see him up on the rooftop, and he jumps across the street to the other rooftop. Uh, just looks awesome. And then she's underneath the van, and that creepy ass Jack in the Box appears. Like if that trend had continued, if that set of scenes set the tone for and actually delivered the rest of the movie like that, then I think we're we're talking about a movie that would probably double my score of what I'm going to give this thing. But we don't go that route, unfortunately. Um, and, yeah, that's about all I got. All right, Sarah puts her coat on to go find them now. <clears throat> She's concerned, but the two men barge inside. Tom tries to calm everyone down as Howard yells, 
Sarah sends everyone to the kitchen as they tend to Howard's ugly wound. Tom sends Omi to the kitchen, and she says to keep the fire hot. Dorothy is making peppermint schnapps for the kids as Max listens to them talk. Sarah asks Beth, but she wasn't at Derek's. Howard says, we can't go back out there. It's too cold and dangerous. Tom asks Howard how much ammo he has, and they need to stay here and board up the windows and be safe. Linda's kids ask if something happened to Beth. Linda tells Sarah Beth is a tough girl, just like her, to encourage her. Tom and Howard are boarding up windows, and Howard thanks him for saving his life. Max asks Tom if they're going to die. He tells Tom Omi is acting different since the storm. Tom says she always acted different around Christmas, but never said why. Howard tells Tom one of us should stay up and keep watch. Howard volunteers to go first. Later on, everyone is knocked out cold asleep as Silent Night plays. The fire is out and the tablets die. A hook appears in the fireplace with a chain and a gingerbread man attached. Howie Jr. takes a bite and the cookie comes to life and wraps a chain around him. He's now pulled up the fireplace. Everyone awakes and they try and hold on to him. A log from the fireplace is kicked into the tree, igniting it. Sarah sees the gingerbread man and screams. She loses grip and he's pulled away. Max puts out the fire and Howard is hit in the face with Howie Jr.'s shoe. Omi stands up, reigniting the fire. She says it's all our fault. It's come for us all. She now tells her story dealing with Krampus. Claymation scene now. She still believed in Santa, but her village had given up. She says she tried to help them believe again, but they weren't the loving family anymore. Eventually, she gave up too. That night, she got a visit from a dark ancient spirit. It was Krampus. He came to punish, not reward. Krampus didn't take her that night and left her an ornament with the Krampus name etched into it. Howard says, I thought I was the one losing it. He stands up now and thinks it's a twisted bedtime story. He pulls his gun on Tom as he tries to stop him. Howard opens a door and they see an army of snowmen and little critters hiding amongst them. Sarah slams the door saying, don't open the door. And then Tom says to keep the fire hot. All right, go ahead, Brian. Yeah, best line in the, uh, gr- this group of scenes happens right at the beginning, thanks to Conchata Farrell. I think she was channeling some more of that two and a half men character. Rest in peace to her, by the way. Like She passed away in 2020. But her line about not liking kids and giving them the peppermint schnapps made me laugh. Um, another fuck the kids moment right there for sure. You know, in fact, apparently when Howie Jr. By the way, are we sure that Howie Jr. is not the fat kid from Little Giants made 22 years before this and didn't age? I mean, he just I, that's just what he reminded me of. But uh, but him drinking out of the cup was, quote, flagged as a moment of concern, quote, for showing a child character drinking a sip of fucking spiked hot chocolate. And they worried, you know, it could land them in an R rating. You know, Daughtery was quoted as saying, uh, it's okay to show a kid getting swallowed by a clown monster, though. Which, I mean, it just shows, I think the studio's interference from the dumbasses in the suits, like, they cause a lot of problems, I think, on this movie. Hopefully that was the case. And, you know, Daughtery, I, I, I don't, I'm trying to, I'm trying to help you out here, buddy. Um, you know, also notice in the last set of scenes, Tom, sh- you know, he-, he shoots whatever's attacking Howard at least three fucking times. But in this set of scenes, he checks his ammo, suddenly has all six bullets left. Yep. I mean, plus, honestly, right here, it, it looks like a 357 Magnum. But later on, the guy looks like he's shooting a, a 22 or something. I mean, it looks small. So I don't, I don't know what was up with the continuity there. And come on, you're really going to not know where your kid fucking is and sit around and try to wait out a storm? I mean, you're a parent. Like, you go out looking for your kid, even if it kills you. 
especially after like what you just saw and you seriously just act like you're fine right here. I mean, I'm not buying that. They'd be hysterical. And I didn't really like the writing in that. And lastly, I hate the gingerbread, man. I mean, like all of them. One was voiced by Seth Green. Uh, the other one, I think, was was voiced by Justin Roiland. And and honestly, the movie just lost me as soon as they came on screen. Um, Howie Jr., you know, to steal line from my childhood, Adam Sandler's original The Goat. Howie Jr., you fat shit. You know, you know what I'm talking about, you 10-year-old little wise ass. Of course you're lured in by a gingerbread cookie on a hook in the fireplace. Nobody hears anything until he's already up the chimney. I mean, how, how badass, though, would it have been had they, like, ripped him in two pieces and the family pulled down just his legs there? Jesus. Um, <laughs> alas, we get a shoe and, well, uh, less, and a less caring family. So, anyway, it's all downhill from here. In my opinion, after the stop motion flashback scene, I actually liked that there. I mean, it was with the voiceover. It just seems out of place in this part of the movie. After literally just losing children, I think that that maybe should have been in the opening. Uh, I don't know. It might have been might have been good there. Go ahead. Real quick before you go, Mike. Uh, Brian, when you were talking about how if your daughter is missing, you, you go out there. Like, you really reminded me of Billy Madison right there. You go this out kid's there, got a you'll get that fucking <laughs> kid's got a thing. You got a pet. You got a responsibility. You gotta, if your dog comes up missing, you don't look for a half an hour and call it quits. You get your ass out there and you find you that find fucking dog. dog. <laughs> That's exactly what you just reminded me of. Uh, Howard, uh, Howard Jr. reminded me of fucking Augustus Glute. Of, uh, because, of course, a gingerbread man is what did it. Anyway, uh, instead of his with chocolate. But anyway, yeah, so... Set of scenes takes a giant nosedive. I don't have a lot on it because I just don't think a lot happens. Um, I mean, I, there's just a, not a lot here that I care about. Uh, I would – all the gingerbread man shit you could have left on the cutting room floor, that stuff. Those gingerbread men were so bad CGI. It reminded me of Shrek, the anime. Like, <laughs> it reminded me of the gingerbread people in Shrek, uh, which I think actually held up better than the yes. gingerbread men. And yes. so – I just think it's not very good. It's unfortunate because of the first two sets of scenes. I think we have something strong and then we just kind of, kind of ruin it. I mean, really, really bad. There's continuity errors, which Brian touched on. There's just not a ton here. And I had a hard time taking notes because this is where the movie starts to drag. Um, It really drags in the next set of scenes, but it's, you can kind of start to feel it happening here and I, I i i hate that because again strong opening strong second act or you know second part of the first act now here we are in the in the second act and by the way as we're recording we are getting a lot of comments on twitter about how much people like this movie so i'm very sorry to everyone listening uh but this movie now look i will say this had they the first two sets of scenes matched the rest of the movie in terms of silliness and tone and everything else, I could have removed some of my my expectations and taken it for what it is and maybe enjoyed it a little more. But that was not given to us. The The suspenseful stuff with the daughter was really, really good horror. And we get this PG-13 Shrek gingerbread man chase or whatever, and we don't get any, any kind of gore or anything with Howard. And it, it's just kind of a mess to me, man. I don't think it's very good and i i just wish they had taken this movie a little more serious yeah so uh first off 
Conchara Farrell. I always think of her, think of Mr. Deeds when I see her, but, uh, you know, she was Jane in that movie. But I really related to her character in this set of scenes because I too love peppermint schnapps. Anybody that knows me knows that I love rumplemints. I and also so, love rumplemints. Yeah, you do. Um, it does not love you back. Uh, yes, um, it just did not love me back one time. Anyway. <laughs> um, but no, the rest of the uh, scenes, though, I mean, it's too cold and dangerous, you know, uh, cousin Eddie, he show you know, he shows the back of his hand. Howard's like, look, look at the back of my hand. I got frostbite and I was just out there a little while. It's too cold. We can't look. And then, um, Tom's like, uh, yeah, you know, you're right. It's my daughter, but you're right. We need to wait out this storm. But I do love how when it's Howard's son, that's missing. He's like, no, fuck that. I'm going to get my son. Uh, and so that was just, that was kind of funny right there because we expect Howard to be the shitty parent. But he's actually the shitty uncle that turns out to be a better parent. But regardless, this set of scenes really took me out of it. Uh, Umi's kind of an asshole. You see the look on her eyes when she realizes what's going on. She realizes that Krampus is upon us. And she doesn't t- She doesn't say a word. Like, not until it's way too late. Um, she should have been putting those wheels in motion in her head a lot sooner. Uh, since she, you know, we come to find out she experienced this shit once before. She should have warned them and let them know what you got to do and that, or let them know that there's no sense of fighting it, but whatever. Uh, that cookie did look fucking astonishing though. When, uh, when old fat boy bit into that cookie, did that not look like the softest cookie you've ever seen? Like, holy shit, I wanted one, but, um, I do, I did to think that it was ridiculous that he was lured into the chimney by a cookie on a hook. Um, but this, it's just... The gingerbread man, the uh, the the claymation flashback scene, um, all of this felt a lot like trick or treat, just the winterized version, and it just doesn't do it for me. So, I honestly, I know that this is crazy, but at this point, I'm just like, God, okay, let's wrap this up. I'm I'm tired of this movie. I, it's clear that we're not getting any gore, we're not getting any cool kills because it's PG-13. And so at that point, there's nothing else for me to look forward to. Yeah, I agree. Real quick, I do want to give props to the claymation scene. I think that is really cool. Out of place, out of place. Don't disagree with that. I just, yeah. I've always been a fan of. I've always been a fan of that kind of animation. So I think it, yeah, it looks really cool here. It looked awesome. The effects were great. I'm not taking anything away from yes. that. Oh, absolutely. It just, yeah, it was really random and didn't it, it fit was. to me. It, I, I didn't like it in this movie. Fair enough. And I'll just say, I agree with, I think all of y'all that the movie, like after Beth, her death scene or capture scene. And after, uh, the two men go out and look for him and, and the uncle Howard gets caught. The movie just nose dies after that. Uh, it becomes a completely different film to me. It's not yeah, even the same and, movie after that. And that's why I said Dustin, I didn't really like the grandmas cause she knew she had the juice the whole time and didn't tell yeah. nobody. Yeah. It's like, frustrating i mean obviously i love grandma but if you if you know the secrets you need to tell everybody all right uh the kids ask omi about christmas and santa it's not what you do it's what you believe tom finds a map of the city and he now asks sarah what she saw up the chimney linda looks through all the damaged presents she hears one of them and shakes it she goes to unwrap it but sarah asks to talk to her and howard tom has a plan to get the family out the house get the snowplow and clear a path for them to take the car we now see the present shaking and making noises. Max is looking outside and he sees the Krampus. 
Stevie and Jordan are going to the bathroom now and hear a voice. They think it's, it's Beth calling for them. She asks them to come upstairs. The adults hear a screaming noise and all run to check it out. Max thinks it's his fault. Howard, said, Howard stays downstairs as the other three go upstairs. Tom, Linda, and Sarah make it to the attic calling for the kids' names. Linda finds the presents have all exploded. The baby cries and we hear glass shattering. Howard walks the kitchen and we see gingerbread men watching him. The three in the attic see this snake-like thing with a clown doll head eating the kids. Tom shoots at it and it slithers away. Gingerbread men shoot nails into Howard's leg and he says, I should have gone to my brothers. That was a good line. He runs away and uses a drawer as protection. Now this bird angel-like creature descends down and crashes on Sarah as a demon teddy bear attacks Linda. Howard shoots the lamp on the counter behind the cookies lighting them on fire. Tom is now attacked by like a toy robot. Howard shoots at the charging gingerbread men and the dog catches the last one in its mouth. The bird doll thing wraps lights around Sarah's neck hanging her. Linda gets the bear off her and stabs it in the eye killing it. Linda saves Sarah and swings the axe at the snake clown thing but it manages to get away. I have no idea what it was. So that was my best description. They saved Stevie but it got Jordan. Sarah shoots the robot. Max yells for mom and they get downstairs. We hear a loud roar now. Max opens the vent and the dog goes in and attacks. We see the ceiling cracking. The snake clown falls below and Howard goes to shoot it, but the bird doll attacks. Dorothy gets the gun and shoots the bird doll, bear, but other Krampus allies break through the wall cornering the family. They wrap Dorothy in chains and drag her away and steal the baby. Howard grabs onto the snake clown as it runs out. We hear a loud roar and all the critters leave the house. And the next scenes are the ending. Go ahead, Brian. Uh, and Dorothy with the now verified unofficial one allowed F word in the PG-13 movie were fucked. Very well placed. Loved it. Um, but as far as, you know, the scene in the attic goes, I've never seen Critters, so I can't count vouch for this. But for some reason, this scene is what I imagine Critters is like. So, I mean, you correct me if you've seen it, but I've never now, seen it. first Critters is better than this scene. I will say that. Okay. Just the first one. Anyway, you know, first of all, I love how the kids are screaming upstairs and the adults are hesitant on even going up there. I mean, I swear to God, it's not realistic at all. And and now I'm talking about fucking realism in a movie about a killer Santa Claus. So fuck me, I guess. But I think my biggest thing is these creatures. Like, I think instead of Christmas stuff like killer toys, gingerbread men, I like to have seen just some like creatures, some dark bug alien fucking looking things, disgusting creatures. I mean, to me, it's just... It, it's just out of scary territory into spoof type territory. And, you know, again, maybe it would have, you know, helped with some blood and guts, but I don't know, honestly. Um, when Adam Scott, you know, he says, oh, come on. I felt that. I mean, I mean, the killer Jack in the box even wiped his damn mouth. And then we had, you know, Todd Packer getting home alone by the gingerbread man. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck's going What are we doing here? And, and then, you know, to top it off, we get a, a live free or die hard, as I call it, because, you know, if you haven't seen that, they went PG-13 with it. And we got a yippee mother gunshot, like, and pretty much is the same, same as here with Harold. Like when he says something about you mother and it cuts him off. And then I got to, you get a, give me back my kids, you fudger. I mean, oh, come on. Yeah. You know, and. And this this set of scenes is my least favorite. It's it's a shit show, I think. We even get the green blood from the animals when they die because Lord knows green blood gets by the sensors. Um, you know, I want to say there's a, a Krampus naughty cut, I think it's what it's called, which sounds like a porno. But there's not much <laughs> there's not much difference besides one scene that apparently connects Krampus 
to Daughtery's trick or treat. Um, there's an Easter egg of Sam's lollipop from the film can seen and be seen in like a box that maxes Halloween stash of candy. So, I mean, just seriously, just get me the fuck out of the set of scenes. I'm done. Yeah. Um, so the, the Jack in the box eating the kid was at least a cool optic. Um, I didn't hate that, but, and honestly, the gingerbread men using the nail gun, I thought that was fun. Like it was funny. Um, didn't like it for, this movie didn't like it for uh honestly i was just over this movie at this point but uh you know that scene alone was was kind of fun but this motherfucker was using a shotgun to kill cookies come on like what what the fuck are we doing here using a shotgun to kill cookies and then the damn dog just snatches one of them out of the air and eats it and was unscathed like if that cookie is badass enough to threaten your life and you feel like you need a shotgun to pretend to protect yourself, then then a dog shouldn't just be able to chew it up and eat it without any repercussion. That was a little ridiculous. Um, but the mayhem in the attic was just, it was ridiculous to me as well. There was just too much going on, too much shit, too many different. I didn't know what the fuck I was supposed to be looking at. You had the Annabelle, Annabelle doll looking angel shit that was falling through the ceiling and hanging there with the Christmas lights. You had the Jack in the box, or as Nico called it, the clown snake. That shit's hilarious to me. Um, I it just there's too much going on. And then you got uh, Linda coming in. Give me back my kid and mother fudger or whatever she said. Yeah. That was stupid too because I hated how she's on this rampage. She's fucking shit up. She cuts the uh, lights so she frees her sister. She kills the robot and she's just on a rampage. But then she feels the need to pause and say a punchline before going after the uh, uh, snake clown conveniently giving it enough time to get down the shoot there. I right, come the fuck on. Get yeah. me out of here. Like you said, Brian, get me out of here. All right. Here's the ending. Tom checks on the family and gets more ammo. Omi tries to light the fire, but we hear a loud thud. The family leaves the house. Omi stays behind to spare them time. Krampus descends down the chimney and walks to Omi. He sticks his tongue and finger toward her. He opens his bag and Omi is attacked. The family is charging toward the snowplow. Tom sends the family off and is on the lookout for the snow tremor. I called it the snow tremor. I guess that's what it is. Tom hugs Sarah and Max and tells them to go. Tom runs out of ammo and is pulled below. Linda is grabbed and pulled below now as Sarah puts the kids in the car and is now pulled below. Like, goddamn. Now it's just Max and Stevie left. Max can't get the snowplow crunk. Trolls and other critters surround the snowplow now. Max gets out the snowplow and yells for Stevie. Krampus lands in front of Max. He he drops his torn up letter on the ground and gives him a Christmas ball with Krampus etched on it. Max charges through the snow until he sees fire and we see all of Krampus and his helpers. Max yells out for them. I take back my wish, he yells. Give me back my family as he throws the ball back to Krampus. The ball descends into the snow, creating a sinkhole into a pit of lava, it looks like. Max runs up to Krampus and he begs, saying, you can fix this, take me instead. Krampus wipes his tears, and then he laughs. Stevie is thrown into the pit now. Now Krampus grabs Max and drops him into the lava pit. White screen, and we're back in Sarah and Tom's house. Max looks out the window, and everything seems normal. Max goes downstairs and sees the family all in the living room. He sits with his parents, and they start to open presents. Omi passes out hot chocolate. Max opens his present, and he sees the Krampus ornament. He realizes it wasn't a dream. They all start to realize. The family hears narration of themselves. 
We see a record playing and and fire roaring. The camera pans away out a window and out of a snow globe. Krampus puts it in a room with several other snow globes. And then we get an end jump scare of all the critters and ending credits. All right, Brian, what do you think of the ending? (laughs) First of all, you know, at at Omi, like to quote the guy from Office Space, what exactly do you do here? Because I mean, like what exactly was the plan? She, she, she wants to face him. I guess that's true because she literally just faced him, like just stood there and looked at him, you know, when he was reaching out with his claw, I just kept thinking of scary movie Two: the beep boop, beep boop on the nose. (laughs) Shit. We needed a fucking Vasquez from aliens death here, by the way, listen to her interview at don't go there.com. Hey, I'm back. I'm back. Way to redeem yourself. (laughs) But okay, as far as the ending goes, like I know it's ambiguous as hell, you know, and like we're going to be able to do like a best and worst kill because I don't think anybody actually died here. Like the trapped in the snow globes forever or are they like given a second chance and the snow globe lets Krampus just keep an eye on them? Um, Apparently, Doherty, is it Doherty? Doherty, Doherty. Doherty. I've been saying like daughtery the whole that's a hard word for me to say. Doherty. He's he's uh he hasn't come out and confirmed which theory is true, but the tie-in comic that's supposedly canon, uh Shadow of St. Nicholas, it's called, um, uh, it confirms that the happy ending is the true one. So showing that you know Krampus is willing to kind of give people a second chance as long as they prove that they've learned their lesson. Um, unlike the grandmother, Max was brave enough to confront Krampus. And prove that he learned his lesson, which is why Max, you know, had his family returned and the grandmothers didn't. So, I mean, okay, whatever. Let's end on a good note for me. So, I'll say a little fun fact here is actually the Bates Motel is in one of the snow globes. So, that's pretty cool, I guess. Yep, I agree. Uh, Okay. Uh, The ending is a mixed bag. Uh, I think we get hokey, silly stuff. Like you said about Omi, Uh, what would you say... You do here. Uh, the answer to that, I still am looking for. Um, because, oh, again, I like the grandma because she's the only one that seems to actually care about Max enough to actually do stuff with him and watch Charlie Brown with him, which shout out to that because I love Charlie Brown Christmas. Um, but, like, I, I, I mean, she's holding she, – she holds back all the information. Then she gets it, and then, like, I know she wants to confront him, but – Man, she didn't really do anything but stand there, and it's just, man, it's a lot of mad there. Um, I like, so here's my thing about the open-ended ending, for lack of a better term. I like it. I think it, it, it does enough to make me feel, okay, it was all a dream, which normally pisses me off, by the way. Normally, not a fan of that. I think it sucks. Uh, but I felt good about it because Max is a likable character, and I'm okay with that. Uh, the whole snow globe thing, I think, is way more interesting, though. <laughs> I would like to see how all that, like, I would like to see that story played out a little more. So, uh, just a mixed bag here at the end. I think that this movie suffers greatly from one about being about 12 to 15 minutes too long. Um, and two, yeah, I, I mean, there's a point in the middle where all they're doing is walking in the snow. I mean, it's basically, uh, you know, Harry Potter part one, you know, the part one of the last uh, film where they're, all they're doing is walking around. Well, I'm just saying, I mean, I'm just saying, oh, that's well, all, I don't know. I, that's I all they I do. With that one. All they do in order of the Phoenix, 
All I do in Order of the Phoenix Part One is walk around in the wilderness. That's it. That's all I do. I anyway, I mean, I, I agree with you, but I, I don't. I don't think it's that this de- was Deathly that, Hallows. But, okay. Sorry, that's what I meant. <laughs> that, that's what I meant. Sorry, my bad. It is Deathly Hallows Part One. Now, Part Two is an awesome film. Anyway, um, I read all the books, pal. Trust me. I I, I should know Same. this. Same. Um, Same. Yeah. Uh, great book series. So I'll just say this. I wish they would have kept the same tone from earlier in the film throughout the entire movie. I think we would have had a pretty damn good Christmas horror classic that I can return to, like the original Black Christmas, like um, Silent Night, Deadly Night, but we don't have that. And if this silly kind of over the top is for you, which sometimes it is for me, but I just don't think it works here. A PG-13 rating really neutered it. And so I think the ending gives me at least a little bit of a happy feeling but I just wish the movie throughout the whole thing had a little bit more to it, man. So uh, Brian used the phrase mixed bag. Um, a mixed bag of shit is still shit. And that's how I feel about the ending here uh, or this movie as a whole. So, <clears throat> you know, you get the you get the granny feel, you know, feel good moment where she's going to go into the house alone and she's going to face this fucker and, you know, she's going to save the day for the family. I thought it was hilarious that the, the kid is like all tore up about it. No, no, Umi, no. But then a second, uh, the dad comes over and it's like, no, let me in. Let me in. The kid changes. mind. I was like, no, this is what she wanted. What the fuck? <laughs> what? What? You didn't even think about that. You went from no, no, Umi, please let us in. Don't do this to no way. Actually, she's right. This is what she wanted. That really bothered me. Um, Good point. I liked I like that it doesn't give us a happy ending. That's right. I don't give a shit what he said he intended. I'm taking it as is this is not a happy ending. Um because in my mind it makes it, it makes me feel better about having watched this movie to know that uh it, it wasn't all just a dream. Um I like the the callback when he opens the present and sees the Krampus ornament and the look on everyone's face when they're like, Oh shit, that wasn't a dream. I love that. Um, yeah. And I love the painting out of all the snow globes to see that this is all the families that he's collected. And uh, this is to show you the dangers of littering. Don't throw trash out your window or I'm going to put you in a snow globe. Um, <laughs> but what I don't love, what I don't love is the fucking stupid jump scare with all the stupid fucking monsters and cookies from this oh, movie. Yeah. Kiss my yeah. ass. Um, so, and again, that's just his style because that stupid jump scare, that little last second, Hey, this is our movie. It is a very trick or treater, uh, trick or treat ish esque. Actually, anyway. actually, you know what? That's stolen from like because I've never seen honestly anything exactly like that. But the end of the intro for the real Ghostbusters cartoons from the nineties or whatever eighties. Yeah, that exact thing is at the end. Like, and it's it happens exactly like that. I think they told that. I think they stole that right from the screen. Yeah, and I, yeah, for sure, I can see that. But um, I hated it in this. Um, oh, yeah. Because, yeah, you know, we've all been vocal about pointless jump scares just for the sake of having a jump scare. But overall, um, honestly, I was just glad to turn the TV off and, t- and take a walk, get some fresh air after watching this movie. <laughs> uh, any more final thoughts before we jump into some social media comments and questions? <laughs> Yeah, hopefully you walk a little. Hopefully you you walk a little less than Harry, Hermione, and Ron do. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you know what's funny is I truly thought that um, 
I was when I texted y'all, man, dot 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 dot. I hate this movie. I thought I was gonna be alone because you guys like Trick or Treat a lot more. You all three liked it more than oh, me. Trick or Treat is a significantly better film. Oh, it is. I agree. Um, but even that movie, I gave a five. Right. And so I thought, man, uh-huh. I'm gonna be alone. You guys, and then I'm seeing how many people on social media like this movie, and we're all in agreement. So um, if you're listening, to, if you're still listening to this episode by this point. We'll pick something that we all like that you like uh, next week. <laughs> well, right, at least out. these, at least oh, these ahead, social Brian. media Sorry. comments will be positive. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, let's knock out Instagram real quick. Elbow Tyler commented those cookies with a laughing emoji. Yeah, yeah, those cookies. He said, "Stoked to hear what you guys think." <laughs> yeah. Uh, Missy Hutchinson Wall she commented, "Love this movie. Crack up at the opening scene with the shoppers." Oh. That yeah, the beginning is definitely funny. That's that's uh, reality, no, that's unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love you, Missy. Sorry, everyone. Uh, Chris underscore twenty twenty commented, "Big fan of the practical effects, but kind of wish it was rated R. Just imagine all the crazy practical yep. effects and prosthetics if they were used to the full hard rated R effect." I I think we all agree with you one hundred percent on that, my man. All right, uh, let's knock out some Twitter comments and questions. Uh. Darren Senpai commented, this movie is so damn enjoyable. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, Hernandez Gunn, my man, he, no, to, to him, <laughs> to him. He dropped the uh, Wolf of Wall Street gif. I guess he likes this movie. Uh, Hunter Nelson, he said, such a fun movie. And Hernandez followed up saying, it's a fun follow to trick or treat. Uh, I really don't agree with that, but. Love you guys. Love, love you guys, guys very much. Sorry, everyone. Andrew Ferguson commented, if Max is the only one left alive, what does the rest of the family have to be upset about? Would they have preferred to be dead? Honestly, I'm kind of confused by the question. True. All right, Dustin. And Sean commented, have Dustin pitch a sequel for this. He says it's a strange movie, but fun. Okay, I got you. I thought about this Uh because I saw the question roll in. So uh, picture it now. The opening scene is uh, the writer of this film, uh, Doherty. He's He's on screen, and he says, hey, I was just kidding. I didn't mean to make that movie, and that's my sequel. All righty, uh, y'all ready? To no, jump I can't fun pitch facts? a sequel to this movie. This movie sucked. This, yep, yeah, this movie was pretty brutal. Uh, I think it's the whole remake would be better than doing a sequel. Uh, yeah, I'll just go I first agree. real quick. I only got two fun facts. Michael Doherty describes the Krampus in this film as Santa Claus's shadow. He's not the unstoppable monster that kicks down your door and rampages and grabs you. There's something darkly playful about him. He's having a good time doing what he does, and he enjoys the cat and mouse aspect of it. See, I would I would have liked that as a horror, like a more intense horror movie, though. Uh, Krampus is a huge part of Austrian and German folklore. In Austria and southern Germany, they have Krampus runs, where grown-up men dress up as Krampuses and parade through the city streets and scare children. That's pretty awesome. Yep, I agree. <laughs> That's definitely man fuck them kids. Is that on their flag? Man fuck them kids. <laughs> If, if no one else has any more fun facts, I'll say this movie was made for a cool $15 million. Um, this movie made $61.5 million. So I am actually shocked that there's no sequel to this movie yet. I, I That blows my mind. Um, maybe because no one else wants to come back to do it. I don't know. But I think a, some kind of movie within the Krampus universe. Now that I think that we could get a rated R movie out of this, whether you take it to Netflix or HBO Max, or you know whatever the uh, uh, Universal one is, I guess that that is 
where I or I, I I guess that would be Peacock. So you could do some kind of rated R version within this universe. I think it would be kind of cool. I I don't know. Hasn't hasn't there been a bunch of sequels to this? Like I, I mean that was direct to video sequels. I think because when you oh, just I have no idea if, if you just look up for Krampus, I think there's a lot of sequels to it. Oh, Maybe I'm wrong boy. on that. That that's tough. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> let's stop using that. let's stop using Krampus and sequel in the same sentence so often because I don't want that energy out in the universe. I do not want to speak it into existence. Uh, well, it's already out there. It's going to be the next 31 for 31 uh, franchise. <laughs> doing all the Krampuses. Load up, baby. <laughs> Calling in sick. <laughs> <laughs> all right y'all ready to do the favorite kill least favorite kill in the rating let's do it all right sure. i'll just go ahead and go first get me out of the way uh like we all said we don't know if there's any kills or not but fuck it i chose some anyways favorite kill i chose the same one as james from dead meat jordan swallowed by the clown doll snake creature whatever the hell the thing was i mean none of the kills are that great to me but at least you got to see the kid getting eaten i almost picked beth but you don't really see her death but that was probably my the best tension scene it was a really good scene. Yeah. Uh, least favorite, <laughs> there's a lot to choose from here, but I chose Sarah. I just said just terrible mothering throughout the whole movie and a lame duck waited out. You just watched your sister die the same way. You put the kid in the snowplow, you shut the door, then you get killed the exact same way. Just just terrible, Tony Collette. I'm sorry. Uh, rating, what can I say? Uh, the only thing I can really say redeeming about it is the first half of the movie is pretty good, just setting up the character development. The the cast is really good. I like them and other things they've been in. But honestly, the like they said, the gingerbread men, the toys in the attic, just I wasn't a fan of. Uh, the movie just drags me. It gets kind of boring. Honestly, I just I'm like Dustin. I'm just I am ready for this movie to be over. About forty five minutes into it, but I just gave it a five. <clears throat> it's not the worst movie we've ever done, but I'm not a big fan. I'll go ahead and go. Um, since Mike picked this movie, he can go last since it's his pick. <laughs> it's my pick. I own it because I'm a real man. He's not He's not 40, but he's a real man. Uh, anyway, so my best, my favorite kill was actually Beth at the beginning. Um, I thought the whole, that whole scene was awesome. A worse kill, Omi, because what the fuck? Like, she just stood there, kind of built it up, and then nothing happened. She just looked into a bag, and then it cut to the scene. I still stand by the fact that Geraputo, that fat fuck, would have been awesome to be cut in, like, torn in half when he's going up the uh, the chimney. I think that would have been amazing. But uh, anyway, so the acting wasn't terrible. I just didn't like the script, the second half anyway. Um, since half of it was good, actually, I agree with Nico, and I gave it a five as well. All right, so... Um... This movie was not something I'll ever click play on again. I don't care if um, this file becomes corrupted down the road and we have to re-review it. I'll just sit that one out. Fuck this movie. Um, Did not enjoy it. The acting's fine. The cast is great. (laughs) But uh, this movie is a value-sized, Costco-sized tub of ass juice. Oh, my God. As far as the... um, as, as I just got increasingly more and more angry watching this movie because it has such high hopes from the first two set of scenes that we covered tonight, and then it just fart noise the rest of the way. Um, least favorite kill is uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Aunt Dorothy for the same reason that J- Demi James said she made a stupid whistling noise when they yanked her out of the window. It was like a it was like a Pee Wee's Playhouse uh, sound oh, yeah. that they made, and that annoyed the fuck out of me. Um, 
favorite kill, I, I think I'm going to go with Beth just because it was during that set of scenes where uh, it's cool as shit. Like Krampus is looks like a badass. And then um, even though it's off screen, we don't see it. It's still fine because that set of scenes with the DHL truck and the atmosphere and the way Krampus looks, looks awesome. So I'm going to go with that one. As far as the rating, I'm going to go with a, a two and a quarter. Ooh, 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 ooh. Okay. Uh, so I'll go real quick. My favorite kill is Beth, or I guess if she shouldn't actually die, but that's the the best one of the film to me. My least favorite is Omi. I think uh, she goes out like a straight up punk, and I think she deserved better, <laughs> considering everything that her tie into Krampus. I think that that would have, if she was going to die or be captured, would have been a much cooler. There should have been a much cooler way to to do it. Kind of had all my thoughts on the opening scene. There's a there's a good nucleus here, and they just didn't execute it. It's like a g- good diver that's got all these crazy acrobatic flips, and they just don't stick the landing. Uh, that's kind of what happened to me in this film. I think there's a good crew of people. I like I like Doherty's other stuff, including Trick or Treat. I like a lot of the cast. They're good in just about everything else, and, and they're not bad here. Just what they're giving to do is not my favorite thing. To me, this movie doesn't. It doesn't pick what it wants to be. It tries to be serious, tries to be hokey, uh, and it yeah. doesn't do it right. Uh, it, for horror comedy to work, you have to have a good enough script to hold up the entire time. Uh, good horror comedies like Scream, that's, that, that's got its moments of funny, but when it's time to be serious, it's fucking scary. This movie does not have that. It, it's just kind of pasted together, and I don't think the script is strong enough. There's better versions of the story of Krampus out there. Uh, and that's unfortunate because good cast, good writer, good director, great visual effects. All that being said, I gave this movie a 5.5. Okay. So uh, that puts our composite rating at a 4.4375. Uh, about two full points lower than IMDb has it as a 6.2. A lot of that's because of my rating is so low, but... Uh, IMDb voters just don't know what they're talking about on this one. There you go. <laughs> Only when they agree with us. Exactly. <laughs> All right, guys. Any final thoughts on Krampus before we shout out our blood donors? We're sorry, guys. Sorry, everyone <laughs> that loves the film. I, I'm not sorry at all. <laughs> I watched the movie twice. <laughs> I also watched this movie twice. Actually, this is my third time ever, but I watched it twice in a few days, and that is not what we do. See, it's the this movie is like complete opposite for a lot of other ones we've done. It's like the second time I watched it, I disliked it even more. I was like, it just drug even more the second time after the first time. All right, let's shout out our blood donors. Really appreciate all of you. Our camp level reoccurring are Clayton J, Nina, Michelle Mirza, Andrew Ferguson, Carrie Adams, the Horror Movie Crew Podcast, and Alex Seligson. Our camp counselor reoccurring are Hunter Nelson, Karen, Shan Petrasevich, Dennis Kennedy. Edwin Hernandez Gunn and Miss Joe Larson. Our legendary blood donors, we still have film reviews to do for. Speaking of Miss Joe Larson, Miss Joe Larson's also a legendary blood donor. And Missy Hutchinson Wall, looking forward to both of those reviews. And a final girl donor is Danny C. Naps. We just want to thank all of our blood donors for their, their support. It means a lot to us. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Final thoughts, guys? Merry uh, Christmas. Yeah, I say Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry I picked this film. If you hate it, if you love it, at least you got to watch it. You can listen to us crap on it, which again I apologize for, but not really because uh, that's how I feel. And I just want to say Merry fucking Christmas. <laughs> 
And just so you know, before we get out of here, Brian picked Army of the Dead. All right, let's do it. <laughs> Cutting that. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Just want to remind everybody. Oh.